Hello, my heroes, and welcome to this week's edition of the Indestructible Podcast. Today, I'm sitting here with podcast extraordinaire, as well as a five-time Telly Award-winning writer, director, and producer, Eric Galindo. How are you doing today, Eric? Hey, Danny. Good. How are you? So one of the first things I wanted to get into with you, Eric, is where, where did you first hear about podcasts? Like, what, what was it that first drew you to the medium? What was the first thing that caught your ear with regards to podcasting? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, let me think. Let's see. I kind of feel like one of the first, some of the first podcasts I heard were like Mark Marin and uh, Adam Carolla. Those were like the first two I can remember, like really listening to way back in the day. Um, and then sort of from listening to those, they would ha always have other guests who had podcasts. And then you kind of start to kind of spider out and start listening to other things like uh, Amer This American Life, I had never really heard of because I never listened to NPR as a kid. And then Adam Carolla had Ira Glass on and then I started listening to This American Life. And, and from there, just kind of, like I said, it was like diving deep into a Wikipedia page and just clicking on links and links and got me really hooked into the, the, the various styles that people were using the podcast medium for. But I will say like the one, the one that did blow my mind in a big way was a uh, startup by a uh, Gimlet. Um, Cause I, I think at that, by that time I was um making documentaries and, and had been a journalist for a while and just to see what they were able to do with the medium um, made me really feel like that was a space that I wanted to play in. And, and I think you touched on something right there, Eric, that you said you were talking about your history of being a documentarian, being a journalist, because I've noticed that a lot of your podcasts tend to steer towards true life tales, steer towards telling the truth on narratives that typically maybe don't get to get highlighted. Is that something that you would say kind of drives you when it comes to your podcast is trying to highlight things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely, um, you know, uh, I love to tell stories for my community. I just so happens that my community is, you know, largely, um, been ignored for a long time, especially in mainstream storytelling. So, when I do tell stories, they, they are stories that maybe you haven't really heard in a way because they're being told from a different perspective. But the, the stories, I feel like, are very universal. And I think that that's what makes them appeal to people who are not necessarily Mexican or Mexican-American. Um, they, they can connect because, again, it's just very, like, human stories. Like you said, very stories that are true to real life. But they do happen to be told you know, primarily through my lens and, and my lens is very much that of a of a kid who grew up in Southeast LA as part of the Mexican American um, or as part of the like Latin American diaspora. And then as a journalist, what type of stories, like how, how do you know when a story catches your, your eye, catches your heart? When do you know that that's a story you want to tell? I don't, I don't know. It just kind of like clicks, you know, it's a story that I'm like, Oh, that seems, you know, like, uh, it like it's like an itch, you know. Suddenly, I, I feel an itch to tell this story um, because I just connect with it, you know. And and 
there are many reasons I can connect with the story. You know, one, you know, something might feel like it's a, like I'm bonding with the moment. Like it feels like something that happened to me, but, or, or sometimes it be, I just feel fascinated by the, the story that that's unfolding. But I think a lot of it is like, is like, I'm trying to capture a feeling. Um, and when something moves me, like, I really want that to be, um, captured forever like archived and so that's that's like so it's hard to like it's kind of i know and i know but but really it is kind of an it comes from an emotional place where i feel emotionally moved and then i spend you know my entire like life trying to recapture that emotion and and disseminate it into a story that other people hopefully can also feel very interesting eric yeah i i think i kind of I can feel the passion right there. Just you speaking about it. You, you know, you can, you can tell that you're, you're very soulful. And, and when it comes to telling these narratives, it's coming from a place of true passion. So I think that definitely registers there. And, and another thing, Eric, I wanted to chat with you about being a journalist. I think oftentimes we kind of get only told like the narrative that, oh, sometimes journalists just kind of want to dig up the dirt or, or this thing of gotcha journalism as a journalist. How, how do you find that balance of telling a story that maybe some details of it may not be that great, but you still want to tell the truth? How do you find that balance? Again, you know, I'm not like, I don't know. I think that <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of narratives, right? And I feel like um, we can easily get caught in a sort of like almost like in the algorithm of like a, an echo chamber where if you're reading two or three stories that are quote unquote gotcha journalists or journalism you might start to think every story is that when in reality it's probably just these five stories um i think i try not to i try not to generalize too much so i think I don't know if like what gotcha journalism even is. Like, I feel like I do understand that there's a stereotype of like the journalist that doesn't really have any feelings and is doing whatever they want to get the story. I am never that person. I don't, you know, claim to be like the intrepid reporter that'll get the story no matter what. Um, because I do think there are humans at the center of every story you're telling. And I think that you need to treat them accordingly. Um, and even when I forget, like I am very quickly reminded just in trying to, un uh, you know, unravel the story of someone's life, that these, these are humans that are connected to other humans. And, and whenever you, you know, so for me, like, I guess what I'm saying is like, in order to, to, to just naturally have that balance is to, I always treat everybody with a certain level of humanity. Um, whether I, you know, I, I think that they are a, you know, perfect human being, or I think they're a very flawed human being to me. Like, I just feel more connected to someone's humanity than I am to the, like trying to get them, you know? Exactly, Eric. Yeah, that's that's a great thing right there, brother. That, that that's just such a 
such a sweet thing, you know, because I, I think sometimes as storytellers, we kind of always want to get what's going to be the best story I can tell out of this? What's going to be the the most powerful narrative? But I think sometimes uh, we don't always consider the human impact that sometimes things can have on people. So I think that's really great that you always consider that aspect of things. That's really that's really great. And then on top of being a podcast extraordinaire, Eric, I know you're a writer, director, producer. I'd love to chat with you about some of those projects. So tell us, what are some of your favorite projects you've worked on? Some of your past experiences? Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I really like, I don't, I am in a very privileged position where I, I really only do projects that I really am passionate about. So I think I really like, um they, they feel like my children you know like i i like them all the same you know some of the things i've done recently you know i i just finished uh, i was a showrunner on a podcast called snooze which i really like because it is a, a show where um it's actually about helping people who have been putting something off um they come on the show they tell us what they've been putting off and we sort of coach them through overcoming this like thing they've been snoozing for a long time and i thought that was very it's a really good experience to actually help people you know you feel like the immediate impact you don't have to wait to see if people listen you don't have to wait to get like apple reviews you just you automatically help the person and hopefully by helping this person you created a blueprint for someone else to help help others or for someone to help themselves and so I thought that was a unique experience that I really liked. You know, I really liked, um, uh, you know, right now I'm writing a movie uh, for uh, about, a, you know, a, a Christmas movie. And I fucking love Christmas. So I'm just like super excited to play in that world of, you know, uh, the holidays, especially coming from a big Mexican family to just kind of try to capture the the chaotic, like, competitiveness of christmas nice um uh yeah and you know I've, I'm, I'm trying my best to take it one project at a time you know um and not be like it's hard because you have so many ideas i'm sure you do too danny you're just like well which idea do i really like focus all my energy on and so for me i'm just right now i'm just trying to line them up and we just finished news and before that we did a podcast called out of the shadows where I was also the showrunner and I was uh, one of the hosts. Um, and I thought, again, that was a story about um, the Amnesty Act that gave my parents green cards. And that's another another case where, like, we just want to, like, put our stories into the record books so you immediately feel the impact of the story. And you're not, you know, so so much of storytelling can easily turn into, like, well, who's listening, who's reading, what are the ratings? And you can often think about like this really um, commercial way to measure success. But if you're making shows like the shows I like to make where they're making an impact immediately, then I don't really have to focus so much on like the results. I can focus on making the show and, and the, the people who the show is for. Um, so those are the last two shows I made and I really, I really love them for that, for that reason, because they are the kinds of shows that immediately are making an impact, like immediately for out of the shadows, you know, we were on the phone with the white house immediately with snooze, people are telling us, you know, that they too 
were inspired to help themselves. And, and we're also, you know, immediately like even people that didn't wind up being on the show that we just kind of pre-interviewed wound up actually doing the thing that they had been telling us about without any coaching. So it was just, just the fact that we were able to like really make an impact right away was exciting, you know? Absolutely. And then how, how does that feel when you have someone tell you that you, you just brightened my day or you made me think about something that I wouldn't have thought otherwise? How does that feel as a creative person? I mean, it feels great. It feels, I feel very appreciative. Uh, I feel honored that people like not only listen, but are willing to like open themselves up and tell you something nice. <laughs> we live in a world where it's really easy to complain or to like be a hater. It's almost like expected now that people are going to go and hate and it's so easy, you know, but much harder it is to give someone a compliment, a stranger, you know? So when people like when I hear people like open themselves up just to tell to tell me that, you know, something really made a difference for them. That's like a double kind of bonus because not only are they just like, yo, your work is great, which I love to hear. I mean, come on, who doesn't love to hear that? But also just the fact that they're like approaching the strangers to tell them like, yo, I really like this. And you made me feel some kind of way. I think it's, it's such an honor to receive that. Exactly, brother. Because I think you're right. It's so easy now in the in the like or dislike generation to just be like, eh, I'm not feeling it or eh, whatever. So the fact that somebody at all goes out of their way to to appreciate any art that we put out, it, it's always it always means something, you know. Absolutely. And then, kind of just uh, in contrast to that, Eric, have you ever had a, a time where maybe you had someone because you delve into kind of intense and more. Uh, personal topics have you ever had someone come at you be like no that wasn't how the story was or or i don't agree with the narrative you're telling here have you ever had an experience like that yeah i mean of course i think everybody who makes i mean maybe everyone in the entire world now because we're all on social media will get you know uh people will do like a lot of negative feedback or even just kind of like you said just feel like your story doesn't necessarily tell their story. And I think that that is kind of one of the problems of um, the scarcity mentality where you feel like there's only a, there's a, there's a finite amount of stories that can be told. And if somebody's telling their story, it might mean your story is not getting told. Um, but, you know, like, I always like to sort of be very upfront about the fact that the story I'm telling is my story. And that is why I like to put myself into, like, first person, right? Like, I love to tell first person stories because I'm actually not telling you, I'm not going to do justice if I pretend like I don't have my own lens, right? And so I like to be very upfront and clear that like, you know, when I tell a story, it comes from my own perspective as like a Mexican redhead who grew up in Southeast LA during the nineties, which is a very, very unique specific angle. And it has nothing to do with taking away from anyone else's story. 
but a huge problem is, especially with, you know, marginalized communities is that our stories don't get told in a, enough. So when, when a story like, you know, I wrote this story called the Mexican Beverly Hills that was published in the New York times. Um, when a story gets into like a big paper like that, which doesn't traditionally publish a lot of essays at all, let alone one by a Mexican American kid, like, people are going to be like, well, why wasn't, why wasn't that story exactly like mine? Or why wasn't it my story? Or that story is, doesn't feel true to the experience I had. But if they were publishing constant stories like that, I don't think there would be this so much scarcity, you know? Um, but I, I definitely understand it. Like, I understand that it is an absolute privilege to be published in the New York Times. And it's an absolute privilege to actually get to tell these stories for a living. Again, which is why I try to be as clear and upfront as possible about the, like who the narrator is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the narrator of this story. I am obviously completely biased and completely telling the story through my lens. And I never try to act like I don't have opinions, like I don't, I'm not human, like I'm not sad or I'm not happy or I'm not mm -hmm. angry. Like I don't hide any of that because I think it's a lie when people do, you know, for the most part, I'm sure there are people who are very, very stoic and right. can be very, very um, centered. And, but I, I, I don't know how to do that. So I don't mm -hmm. pretend. I like that. It's like you wear your heart on your sleeve, you know, like when you're telling a story, it's because you mean it and it's because you have to tell this story. So that that's powerful. Absolutely. And Thanks, then Danny. of course, and then uh, speaking on passion projects and, things of that nature, Eric, is there any big dream projects that let's say if all the cars lined up, everything went well, that you would love to accomplish? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in development on, on a TV show with CBS based on my life. Um, and I would love to like get to the finish line with that and get that on TV. I think that that right now is, it's like uh, it's like a it's like a dream that feels almost real. I really hope to get, you know, make that a reality. And and you know, I do have a lot of other uh, like ideas. That, like I said, for stuff, um, you know, I would love to make like a like a really like a a western about um, you know from the from the Mexican American perspective. You know, a lot of times I love Westerns. Westerns are great. But the thing about Westerns is that like all the cowboys are white. And, and I think historically we know that actually cowboys were uh, Mexican and black. Right. Because they were they were the outlaws. They were the ones criminalized. And somehow like in in like the story that Hollywood tells, like the anti-heroes that we love, like the outlaw Josie Wells and like these guys, they get their stories told, but we don't, we don't hear about, you know, um, these other people who are there too. Um, yeah. I'd also like to do a, you know, a story about uh, like World War II from the perspective of Latinos, like just kind of take these like big seminal like genres. genres yeah and 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 get us in in that space like i think that would be great but but you know 
I also want to do like I think my 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 favorite thing to possibly do is to just have a big, like, super fun comedy, you know, with black and brown people. Um, yeah. That is not like necessarily like sad or about you know stereotypes. Kind of. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to be fun. You know, I really like, you know, movies like Dope or like Friday. Like, I would love to see one of those, you know. Um, or like, you know, Real Women Have Curves. But like, you know, Real Women Have Curves was also like very serious. I, I would like this to be way less serious. <laughs> or, you know, but but I think that Real Women Have Curves is kind of the closest thing we've had to that where it's just kind of like a fun movie about Classic, the yeah. yeah but I, yeah i mean i'm sure they're out there a lot of them but i just kind of really want to play in that space too i think you can tell powerful stories with like you said kind of lighter hearted materials you know i or or even through comedy you know they always say that the the yin to the yang of comedy is the tragedy so maybe not so much focusing on the serious dramatic elements but maybe focusing on some comedy you kind of add some nuance layers with that type of storytelling. So I could definitely see you rocking that. And then just finally in closing here, Eric, uh, do you have any like advice for upcoming creatives, podcasters, writers, directors? Yes. Uh, you know, one, the one thing I do like to say is just like be tell very specific stories to your experience, but also it has to be a story, you know, sometimes we'll try and tell stories as culture or stories as topics, you know, and it becomes very broad. And I think if you, you know, the success I've found is to like take a story and, and weave the culture in. Right. Mm. And that's not nothing new. You know, people have been doing it for the longest time. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think the other thing is like, keep going. Cause mm. like, and that's a privilege, right? Not a lot of people have the privilege of keep take to keep taking their shots, but mm. essentially the people who do get to have their stories made or get to, they like keep going even past all the no's, even past all the doubts, even past all those really, really hard times. Because yeah, there are a few people that just get right in and they are very lucky and they don't have to struggle, but I think the vast majority of people are people who are resilient. So mm. I would say, you know, again, tell very specific stories with a clear like story arc. And also again, be very resilient. And then, you know, one last thing I would say is um, to really think about like, who the stories are for because I think if you like try to imagine an audience then again your or, or or a mission right make it about something bigger then you're less focused on the result and you're less you know you, you learn to enjoy the process of actually taking shots instead of hoping they go in every single time. And so I think that that is something that I have to tell myself every morning to be like, 
today is going to be about enjoying today and the process of getting to tell stories instead of worrying about tomorrow so much um, or worrying at least about how people are going to perceive this. And I think, again, like if you know who the story's for, like to say the story's for you, you're like, Danny Cano, this is my, I'm telling this story because I want to hear this story. Then you've automatically succeeded, you know? Yeah. Or if you're telling this story and you're like, you know, this story is for my mom because my mom loves, you know, this topic. And and then, you know, she's going to like it. Like, I think that that really helps you ground yourself in a in the in the storytelling instead of in the like who's actually going to listen to this or read this or watch this that, like that's just so real and that's just so heartfelt and just wow man thank you thank you so much for ending this off with that man and thank you so much for giving us your time today thank you thank you for having me